Welcome to ATRA, Voices from the Field. This sustainable agriculture podcast is presented by the National Center for Appropriate Technology with support from USDA Rural Business Cooperative. Hi, this is Rich with the National Center for Appropriate Technology, and I'm talking today with Mike Andreas from Andreas Homestead near Raleigh, North Carolina. And that's one of your hats, um, but actually, actually, um, the the operation is something that your wife is is interested. In. Can you just sort of give us the history of it? How you got into it? Well, you know, currently we have maybe ten or fifteen, as many as twenty goats. We raise. Um, we have we raise anywhere from three to five hundred poultry for meat every year. We process on farm. We have maybe seventy five laying hens, and you know, a pretty good sized garden. And our our goal is to take our about 10 acres and and use it appropriately to sustain and raise those animals. Um, it's been a long process so it started, it really goes back to a, a second grade egg incubating project with my kids who we homeschooled. We ended up with four hens and the four hens became, you know, 10, 12, 15 hens and then um, we uh, decided to leave California and move to North Carolina started out in a neighborhood, found four acres of land. We bought the four acres for less than an apartment cost in LA. Right. <laughs> and uh, the lady who owned the 10 acres around us kind of said, I just, just use it, just don't make any permanent changes. So our, our operation has expanded and expanded to where we're now you know, goats, chickens. Uh, we raise turkeys in the fall. We have about a dozen ducks and kind of ducks we're raising. Um, and it's been, a, it's been a, like an ongoing expanding experiment and and you uh, do the slaughtering yourself yeah in, in North Carolina we have you can get a permit to do on farm processing uh, we, we processed about I think the our peak year was about 500 chickens we did one year we did 75 turkeys I'm not gonna do that again by hand yeah uh, last year we wow. did about 15 turkeys the biggest of which being 26 pounds dressed which means that's like a 30, 35 oh, pound, yeah, pounds. it's like a 35, 40 pound yeah. bird that does not want to be handled. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and it, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of wondering, I mean, I, I just stumbled across this conference. I just happened to be staying in this hotel and started asking some questions around, stood outside of the door of one of the conferences and realized it's, it's sort of, there's more people out there that are like-minded like us, like want to, want to be sustainable, want to, want to, uh, uh, better the land, you know, uh, the land we're on was former tobacco land, so we've spent four oh. years just trying to amend the soil, doing soil tests, trying to get a little of this, better compost, how do we do this, how do we do that, and we feel like we've kind of been learning in a vacuum. Uh, oh, really? I'm really uh, encouraged to, to, to learn more about what you guys offer and what I, we can learn from, from other people who are doing similar things. Well, that's a, you know, it's kind of a the number one advice it seems like people people give when they do this is to find somebody else who's done it, right? You know, right. Sort of, and, and, or a network, even you know, yes, to people to, to pick their brains about stuff, so you don't have to you don't have to invent the compost wheel, right? <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, so, how do you market? Well, it's <clears throat> started out just for us. We we, yeah. we wanted to learn how to do this for ourselves. We have a wonderful neighbor who was a professor. Um, it's actually actually aquaculture at North Carolina State. Wow. The neighbor lives behind us. Um, he's one who we he taught us about goats. He's taught us about 
chickens. He's taught us a lot of the things we've learned. He's retired. He actually has some medical issues. So in exchange for helping him with his garden, we've learned so much from him. The other fortuitous thing is my son was dating a girl whose mother taught poultry science at NC State. She taught us to process our first birds for, just for ourselves. So it grew and it grew and we started realizing that we could process on farm, we could process, we, could, we got to where we could do maybe 15 birds an hour, 15, 20 birds an hour by hand, which I know there's people out there doing 100 birds an hour, right. but we do it you know, very carefully, very meticulously, and we can sustainably do you know, 20, 25 birds in a day and not want to kill each other. Right, right, yeah. And, <laughs> and, um, and um, so we, we, we have a, a compliance officer, we've, we're registered with the state of North Carolina, Marvin comes out twice a year to check on us, yeah. and my wife's very meticulous about her record keeping, water uh, well testing, uh, our, our our site. I mean, everything we do, uh, we stay really careful about compliance. And an interesting thing in North Carolina is that there's no longer there's no longer a um, state there's no longer a poultry processing small batch poultry processing facility in North Carolina. I mean, there are the big ones that do you know, millions of birds, right, right. but the last small batch processing plant closed in North Carolina. That's an issue in a lot of places. Yeah. They, you have to package up your birds and drive them to South Carolina or Virginia to get them processed now. And so, you know, we're a rarity. If you want, if you want pasture raised, right. uh, they, they get well water, they get, uh, they get uh, organic feed, soy free organic feed. They're raised on the ground. They eat bugs. I mean, if you if you want that kind of chicken, yeah. it, the, even in the four years we've been doing it, the numbers have dwindled. Really? Yeah. It's like okay. because it's become uh, most people don't want to do their own processing. They want to raise the birds and haul them off to a right. processor. We're unique that we do all our own processing. Yeah, it's a skill of its own. You know. Yeah, I figured. I figured. I've probably processed. My wife and I have probably processed about 2,500, 3,000 birds since we started. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, and probably, I don't know, 150 turkeys, which is, which is, I always have friends over. One interesting thing that we've discovered is our customers, and we, you and I talked about this before yeah. we started, our customers are now asking us if we can teach them. Right. So we have customers who say, hey, you know, can I come and learn how to process a chicken? One interesting thing is, is we have a lot of guys who say, hey, I want to come out and process and, and clean my turkey this year for my family's Thanksgiving dinner. So I have, I've had okay. five, or, five or six guys that are, they're, wow. they're account executives, they're lawyers, they're doctors, they're you know, professional business people who are like, that gummit, I want to know, I want to, I want to deliver the turkey to my, tur my Thanksgiving dinner. So they come out and help us. Wow, wow. It's pretty interesting. And, and it, yeah, that's very interesting. It's, it's kind of you start doing something for your family, and the next thing you know, you got other people wanting to do it for their family, and you're doing a business, and it just sort of expands on itself that way. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it, it evolves. It's, um, it's, tough to, it's tough to make a profit. Yeah. That, I think that's where, <laughs> that's where we're at right now is we've been at it four years now, and we've yet to really turn a, a real profit. But when you look at the total picture, we feed ourselves good food. I'm almost 60 years old. I feel better yeah. than I felt in 20 years because yeah. we eat well. We, when you figure the benefit to us, 
and the benefit to the community, if we're close to breaking even, then we're actually profiting. Uh, now to turn this into a real profit-making business is the, that's the step we, we, we have yet to really figure out. Is that something you're pursuing? Oh yeah, yeah we are. Uh, um, our feed costs are really high because we buy soy-free, organically sourced food, feed from a right. small uh, from a small um, feed company in North Carolina, and we buy it by the half a ton. And uh, I, we could buy cheaper feed, a lot cheaper feed, but yeah, but that's sort of like not what we're do why we're doing this. Exactly, exactly. You are what you eat eats. Yeah, you know, and you know, talking about how we got here, I read, I read um, Omnivore's Dilemma yeah. many oh, years yeah. ago. Got me thinking. Then I discovered Joel Solitan up in Virginia, who's sort of, of course. I've read a lot of his things. We raise our chicken in chicken tractors based on yeah. his design, where we move them sometimes twice a day on fresh ground. Uh, and that leaves behind the chicken manure, which makes the grass grow, which feeds our goats. And then right. the goat's manure feeds the grass in return, and then the, we move the chickens back over. We're trying to make the whole sustainable loop uh, with the animals and, and plants and grasses. Uh, but it's been this evolution of learning and then discovering and new people and then people who uh, um, we can learn something from or somebody wants to learn from us. Now we're starting reaching a stage where people are calling us for advice. Yeah. It was like four or five years ago, we, we knew nothing, but we, it's like my wife, who's really the, really the animal expert is like drinking from a fire hose. I mean, she's out there giving uh, vaccinations to the, to the goats and she's, she's birthing the, the babies and she's, she's, she has really learned a lot. Excellent. Um, anything else you want to add? Um, well, just that it's, 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 uh, it's fascinating to watch the, the, the land we were on was formerly tobacco land, and it was just sandy and pretty much dead. Yeah. There were no earthworms, there were, we never saw crickets, there was nothing in the soil. And back in the back where we've been gardening, the soil this year is like nice and black, and there's earthworms, and there's yeah. crickets, yeah. and there's grub worms, and this sandy soil that we keep layering of compost and turning and layering and building has really started to become good soil again. And I think that's one of the things that Joel Salton talks about and that we've been reading about is how do you how do you repair and Have how you been do doing you doing any cover cropping I'm sorry yeah you? we're we, we um, a little bit uh, we don't know enough about it I wish I knew more about it but we've been planting things like um, well, my wife could tell you the exact mixes yeah. and where she got it <laughs> and all the details I wish she was here but um, we've been planting some kind of mixtures of pl of things that the goats like that right. that are that um, grow come up at different times of the year and um, um, I can't think of the name of the varieties off, my, off the top of my head, but she's planting a whole lot of different things that do different <clears throat> things at different times of the year. There's a video called 12 Aprils. Have you ever seen that video? It's a farmer in North Carolina. No, who, 12 Aprils. 12 Aprils, you should look it up. He talks about about to lose his dairy farm. Didn't know what to do, bank was gonna foreclose. He left all the gates open and the, the cows just wandered off. The cows wandered off into fields that he'd given up on that were just weeds cows came in that night and delivered more milk than they'd ever delivered before. He was like, well, wait a minute. What, what are the cows doing? And the cows would wander off and find what they wanted to eat in the, in the weeds. It's like, oh, so what I need to do is figure out what the cows need, not what the, you know, not, not putting them on a feedlot and 
right. he said, just yeah. let the weeds grow. And he said he realized watching what the cows ate, he could just plant weeds and they'd come up with 12 different, he calls it 12 Aprils because he's got fields for all 12 months of the year. And every month of the year, something's coming up in one of the right. fields. Anyway, you should watch the video. I've probably that's, got it all wrong. No, that's it's, interesting. It's very fascinating. And basically by letting his cows eat what they wanted, he saved his farm. Huh, interesting. So, you know, there's, there's, there's so much exciting stuff. It's a whole new world for us and so much exciting things to learn and find out what people are doing. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a challenge, but it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot for, Thank for taking the time to do this. We appreciate it. Sure, thanks. sure. You can find other episodes of ATRA, Voices from the Field, along with ATRA's other sustainable agriculture resources at www.atra.ncat.org. That's www.attra.ncat.org.